the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. A growth from childhood to adulthood, we pass through many important stages. And one of those is the awareness of our mortality. I know in my case it hit me on that fateful summer when I was a student and visiting Europe, going here and there. And finally, I came to the Colosseum. And as I looked at this crumbling structure, one thought went through my head. One day, I'm going to die. That's the first time that somehow I had this, this awareness of my future death. Well, you know, death is all around us. And how we deal and cope with death tells much about who we are, our personality, the culture in which we're dwelling, and the society in which we're living. Sadly, too often in the church, we only hear about death when we're at a funeral. And the priest has that unique opportunity to talk about death, resurrection, and life. Well, the church knows of at least three deaths, at least three. Our biological extinction, spiritual death when we, when we succumb to sin, and a third death which is perhaps the most interesting, and that's baptism. Because in the baptismal waters, we die in Christ to be resurrected with him and live in newness of life. And so we have these, we have these three deaths uh, before us, but we hear this important, this important quote about death from St. Paul. The wages of sin are death, but the eternal life is with Jesus Christ. America in the 21st century is a death-denying culture. We look around and no one's particularly old. Thanks to hair dyes, thanks to stays and props, women don't grow old. Years back, 50 years ago, older than many of you, as a student in Los Angeles. And I remember, I remarked that I never saw an old woman because their glasses, the sunglasses, were, in those days were so big, they hid most of the face. The white wig, the blonde wig, whatever, uh, did marvels, and the little mini skirts uh, and tight, tight leotard, you couldn't tell a woman's age. In Europe, on the other hand, women past a certain age usually wore black, especially in Eastern Europe and Greece and, and the Balkans. And so you could tell that this was a woman who was aging gracefully. Here in America, 
men have become so proud of trying to be young that we even have a little blue pill so we can pretend and lie to ourselves. I'm not that old. I'm okay. Incredible. You know, so we don't look old. We usually don't die at home. You know, the, there was a time when a person was ill, there were no hospitals, so the family was always there. If the person was, was coming to their horrible disease, or their illness, or their, their age. And so they were at home, and it was a sight that was seen. Today we have a growth of, of counseling. When I was at seminary, that was the golden era when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, that may be a name that's familiar to you, she wrote a book called The Five Stages of Grief. And it's how we deal with, with our grief. And she said, you'll go through these five stages. And so it was an attempt to analyze and make make a scientific discovery of what stages we'll go through. And she said, you go through these stages often more than once. But she said, undoubtedly, we'll encounter these stages. This is somehow a growth in, a growth in our, a regrowth of pagan philosophy in our world. That we try to make death natural. This is natural. Everyone's going to die. And therefore, that's supposed to comfort us. But it doesn't. I said, people don't look old. When you go to a funeral parlor, in the Orthodox Church, increasingly, we have the practice of bringing the, the remains to church and doing the service here. But nonetheless, if you go to a calling hours at a funeral parlor, the person looks healthier in death than they did in life. I remember in my very first parish, an older woman told me, she said, I went to the funeral, to the services for a dear friend of mine, and I happened to greet an old friend, another one. And I had heard that she was ill, so I went up to her and I said, Gladys, you look good. And Gladys said, yeah. And she sort of poked her thumb in the direction of the casket. Mary looks good too, but she's dead. <laughs> and so somehow we have this denial of death about us. Nobody wants to die. But there's a message that we get from the Gospels. And that message is this, that death is unnatural. God did not create us for death. There's a beautiful passage in the Wisdom of Solomon. That the Wisdom of Solomon belongs to the deutero deuterocanonical books. One of those books that's found in the canon of Alexandria, but wasn't found in the Hebrew scriptures. And it says, God did not create death and does not delight in the death of the living. God created man for incorruption and made him in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy, death entered the world. God did not create death. Death entered the world because of man's rebellion. 
If God is the source of life, when man walks away from the source of life, guess what happens? He dies. It's sort of like taking an electrical appliance that's plugged into the wall and you move it away. Well, you know, the cord stretches a wee bit and then pulls the plug out of the wall. And guess what? Your toaster doesn't work anymore. Your coffee won't perk. And so we face all of these things. We know what happens in the real world, the realistic world, but it happens in the spiritual world too. If we move away from God, then we face horrible consequences. Christ talks to his disciples in the Gospel of St. Luke, and he says, Fear not, little flock. He has such a kind way with us. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And in Ezekiel, he informs us, he says, I have no pleasure, I have no delight in the death of the wicked, but that they should turn and live. We are so blessed. We have a God who does not want to punish us. We have a God who is so eager and willing to forgive us that he even came down on earth and walked amongst us and taught us that when we sin, when we make when we make colossal mistakes, it's not the end. But rather, he gives us the opportunity to repent. That's why it's so hard for us to judge another human being. We see this man or that woman, and we hear the gossip, and we say, oh my heavens, titch, titch. We don't know their heart. We don't know how they stand before God because that's hidden from us. In fact, it's often hidden from the individual himself. Let me quote again the passage that I've often spoken of, and that is, when we stand before the last judgment seat, it's not the sinless who are going to be received into the kingdom of heaven because then no one would enter the kingdom of heaven. It's those who refuse to repent. Well, we're blessed because we know this. And now that we know this, we have the obligation to do it, to repent, to express sorrow, regret for what we've done, to try our best to make amends and to beg God for forgiveness. And we're assured that if we do that, that the Lord will embrace us and take us with him into the kingdom of God. How urgent it is that we reject evil and live for this kingdom. How necessary for us to forgive. Now the source of biological and spiritual death is the same source. Namely, it's sin. Death enters the world because of the sin of Adam and Eve, and it's passed down to their progeny, down to us. And so we know that one day our biological life will end. However, it's not the end, because we're offered such opportunity by Christ. Sin is, is when we turn away from God, turn aside from the path of righteousness, when we miss the mark. St. James has this beautiful passage. 
He says, each one is tempted when enticed and lured by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. In other words, we're tempted. We mull it over in our mind. Sometimes we don't mull it very long, but we do mull it. And finally, when we give in to sin, when we give in to temptation, that's sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings death. Those who die young are not necessarily more sinful than those of us who linger a bit. Because God is giving the older ones more opportunity to repent. And so that's an obligation on us. Once you, once you reach the age of 39, you begin to think, you know, gee, I better get my life in order. I better do things right. And God says, yes. Yes, this is what I want for you, my son, for my, you, my daughter. And King Lear, I don't know if you're familiar with King Lear. Uh, when I was going to high school back in Ontario, we were required to take a Shakespearean tragedy every year. And I delighted in taking King Lear. There are so many quotable passages. But one of the passages, King Lear, talks about for himself is, I am a man more sinned against than sinning. In other words, he felt that more harm and evil was done to him than he had done to others. But what's the result when someone sins against us? We become bitter. Often we become bitter. Often we be filled with rage and hatred towards that individual, which of course is how we kill ourselves, and how necessary it is for us always to forgive those who've offended us, to those who've humiliated us, to those who have treated us in a way that we felt was, was horrible. And so that's why Christ tells us we must forgive. He said we must bless those who offend us. We must pray for those who are our enemies. Today, in the epistle from St. From Paul, was a fascinating passage. The wages of sin are death. Now the term he uses for wages is a specific term. It's used for, it's used for the military because the man in the military was paid a wage. Two things wrong with it. It was very limited, and it came at such a dear price, because to be in the Roman army was dreadful. You weren't paid much, and you're expected to forage. You're expected to steal, to cheat, and, and take what was there. So it didn't make you a nice person. And you had that hatred and that, that anger towards the government for being so cheap. You know, as a soldier was underpaid and cheated by the army. So we're underpaid and cheated by sin. We're promised rewards, pleasure, and status. But we're left bankrupt and in pain. Look at the major temptations we face. Power, 
sexual immorality, greed, pride, do they bring happiness? No. No, because we end up always wanting more. I wish I had more. And therefore we feel that, that emptiness inside of us. Paul is very blunt. Today's epistle, he said, what return, what fruit do you get from the things of which you are now so ashamed? The end of those things is death. So Paul says, sin you have to work for. And you got a low wage. He said it's a free gift from God. And that's eternal life. Wages are something that we have uh, worked for, but eternal life in Jesus Christ is nothing we've worked for. It's a gift that we accept from God. Sadly, too often we don't accept it. We don't accept that gift from God, but we go on our own way. Christ has come to destroy this. He ends the separation between God and man, and he gives the antidote to the to the bite of the viper, and that is forgiveness. As we, to the extent we forgive others, to that extent we're forgiven. Someone said, don't you love the prayers of the church? I said, yes, I do. But I'm frightened by the Lord's Prayer. Because we say, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. I think, no, Lord, don't send me, don't forgive me like that. Forgive me the way you forgive. Because if you forgive the way I forgive, I'm in deep trouble. On those who accept the free gift of forgiveness and repentance, Christ bestows eternal life. Biological death is not prevented, but it's overcome. It's transformed by the power of Christ's resurrection from the dead. I went to the monastery recently in El uh, in Goldendale, because it was their feast day, and one of my friends from Seattle told me a delightful story about a priest in Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name. But this poor priest is dying of cancer, and he gives such marvelous sermons now, because he's right on edge, always pointing to what's essential. And the quotation that he, that Father Foti could remember was, if we die before we die, then when we die, we won't die. So if we die, if we are, take up our cross, follow Christ, and are self-crucified daily, and die to sin, then at the end of our lives, we won't die, because we already will have enjoyed the resurrection. Well, beloved, that is the challenge we face today. That we have two choices we can make. We can follow the way of the world, or we can follow Jesus Christ. If we follow the way of the world, we face death and its consequences. If we follow Christ, then we are given eternal life. The choice is ours. Let us make a good choice, so that we may dwell with Christ forever. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let us all say with our whole song, with our whole mind, let us say.